Happy Monday. Welcome into NSN Daily. Alex Margulies, Chris Murray, Anthony Resnick behind the scenes. I'm Brian Samudio. Uh, plenty to talk about and uh, a great week. Uh, despite not having sports, we've still got plenty of sports to kick around and talk about. Uh, Doug Newth is going to join us on the show for segment two of his two-part series with us, kind of the state of the University of Nevada, what he can tell us because there is so much still kind of up in the air. Uh, Thomas Sheffield, uh, I don't know if you know the name yet, but once you meet him, you're not going to forget him. He's a special teams coach at the University of Nevada football program, just a great personality. And Julie Del, Del, Del Great personality, great us. personality, but the in and out thing, man, come on. You kidding me? The dude won't eat in and out. That already? I don't. I, I mean, like he won't eat in and out. I'm. I'm still upset about this conversation that like he won't even try it. I'm not gonna let it go. I can't. I, I'm glad this interview was done over Zoom because we couldn't have had the two of you guys in the same room together. <laughs> we might. You know, he's a big wrestling fan, and might we might have broken out in some sort of WWE like SmackDown of, of some sort over this yeah. this feud. Uh, Julian's gonna join us here on the show. Talk about his uh. His new feature called Film Friday, and uh, he went head to head with Quentin Conaway, in which was probably maybe the worst beer pong game ever recorded. Uh, yeah, not so good. About that. And uh, Vince Scully, an update on his condition, took a really nasty fall. And uh, you know, if you're a Giants fan or a Dodger fan or whatever fan, you got to be a fan of Vince Scully if you're a fan of baseball. And we'll have an update on his condition. But uh, uh, first off, uh, you know we we get to see the NFL draft in Nevada. Just didn't have anybody that was going to be of that caliber this time around. You see free agency come through, and free agency really raids the Mountain Five, the Group of Five, uh, the Mountain West and the Group of Five conferences. But Parker Houston, former Rita High School uh, football star, big tight end, San Diego State. Um, we're going to try to talk to him later in this week, and uh, he gets signed by the Arizona Cardinals. Chris, this is a guy that didn't get a scholarship offer from his hometown school coming up out of high school ends up now he's going to get a chance in the national football league yeah that was always kind of a confusing move by brian polian's crew i mean they decided not to offer parker houston a scholarship because they didn't think he was big enough he is 6'3 240 pounds and uh, clearly was big enough to play at san diego state which was the cream of the crop in the west division for the last five or six years but yeah really really cool for parker i mean he's an exceptionally hard-working guy he was a semi-finalist for the Campbell Trophy Award, which goes not only to your academic feats and your athletic feats, but to your leadership skills as well. He was a four-time All-Mountain West academic honoree. He was a second-team All-Mountain West player as a senior. Didn't put up huge numbers. I mean, you're talking about him catching 45 passes for 420 yards and three touchdowns in his entire career, but he was a tremendous blocker, one of the best tight end blockers at the college level, and that's why San Diego State's run game was so good. Would not be shocked to see him move more to a fullback position at the NFL level, and he's going to get that opportunity with the Cardinals. Uh, you know, he was able to play in one of those um, uh, pre-postseason pre, uh, bowl games. Um, and that really, I think, probably helped his stock and put him on the radar a little bit. But uh, just a tremendous guy, was a winner. Reed was a winner at San Diego State. Will be a winner in the NFL if he's able to make it to that level. And one of 21 guys from the Mountain West who signed undrafted deals in addition to the 10 who were playing, uh, who were drafted. So 31 players in, in, in total from the Mountain West going to get a chance in the NFL. Unfortunately, no Wolfpack players. Usually you'll see a couple of guys signed those uh, non-drafted free agent deals, but the Wolfpack was, was basically blanked in this year's uh, draft in terms of opportunities at the next level. Yep. Parker Houston is one of those guys who played with a chip on his shoulder, and rightfully so, because, um, I mean, he, came, he went out on social media and said a couple of things when Nevada offered a different tight end who did not have his numbers, and I didn't blame him for that. You know, you want to mm -hmm. stay home. You want to play for your university. We have so many fans that complain that 
Oh, Nevada doesn't offer these guys. Well, Nevada usually does offer these guys. This was a case that Nevada did not offer him, and he went off and he had a great career at San Diego State. So I, I applauded the fact that he played with a chip on his shoulder, and he played with so many great guys his senior year. Remember, Matt Den was on that team at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Nick Gregg was a big defensive tackle, a road grader at D-tackle. It was such a great football team under Ernie Howard over at Reed High School. Uh, Alex, you and I are the Niner fans of our group. And looking through the draft, and I'm going to have a draft write-up that's going to publish later today. When I saw the trade for Trent Williams going through, my heart lifted and then it broke at the same time because you know you're getting one of the elite tackles in the National Football League. But you know you're losing one too. And then moments later, the announcement came out that Joe Staley was retiring. I remember when Nevada, or Nevada, the Niners drafted Joe Staley and he was kind of the secondary top left tackle behind Joe Thomas in that draft class. And to get Joe Staley and to see his personality, his leadership, he's going to be missed. Yeah, he was, he was kind of a franchise changer for the 49ers and a guy that really helped uh, with that, that first kind of regime with Jim Harbaugh and, and getting the team to, to a different height and, and then stuck through some, some really bad years. I mean, you think about the career of Joe Staley, all the ups and all the downs. Uh, definitely a guy that will not soon be forgotten, uh, an incredible leader, uh, incredible personality, um, somebody that was loved by his teammates and by the fans. Um, and, you know, for San Francisco, they, I think they did a great job filling the holes that they needed. I mean, you're talking about a team that's coming off of going to the Super Bowl and being able to, to find a guy like Trent Williams to replace Joe Staley. You couldn't do any better. You get Brandon Ayuk in the first round of the draft. Uh, to, to get into the wide receiver core, you know, replacing Emmanuel Sanders. And then uh, Kinlaw at defensive tackle, replacing DeForest Buckner, uh, who they lost in a trade earlier this year. They just had too many defensive linemen. So they, the defensive line remains a strength. The offensive line uh, continues to what will be a very productive unit next year with Williams leading the way. And, and you add some speed and some versatility with Ayuk. I really like where, where San Francisco went, despite not having very many draft picks. Uh, they traded a lot of those ways in previous drafts and even in this one, but the quality they came away with this, uh, I think, you know, John Lynch and, and, and company are going to be very, very pleased with what they were able to haul this last couple of days. Being an Niner fan, third generation, initially I was so locked in on wide receiver. And when 14 came up, Jerry Judy's still there. CeeDee Lamb's still there. Uh, and I was just so st- – I'm like, they're going to go for Judy here. They're going to go for Judy here. And Javon Kinlaw's name was announced – and it was like Dunder Mifflin office around here. I was like, no, 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 no. And then I did the research, and I, I had seen Javon Kinlaw play once this year in college football, but I didn't remember that that was his name. And I went, this guy's a monster. You listen to his story, and then for them to get Iuke later, everything was good. Everything was good. I felt a lot better about it. Uh, moving to another feature that we've got on NSN uh, – especially our website, nevadasportsnet.com. Our GOAT bracket continues. Uh, Chris, this time around, it's the Sean before there was Sean White. Sean Palmer as a number four seed. This guy did everything extreme against a four-legged athlete, California Chrome. Uh, tell me about this bracket and this matchup and what you like. 
Yeah, or only a non-human in the field. Uh, we'll start with Sean Palmer. So he's a South Tahoe resident. He uh, is kind of the forefather of extreme sports. I mean, this guy did it all. He was a snowboarder. He was a skier. He did mountain biking. Uh, he did uh, mountain bikes on, on uh, snow. Uh, he did auto racing. He had a video game. He was a lead singer in a punk band. Like, this was a guy who was extreme to the extreme before really anybody else. So uh, was once named by USA Today the world's greatest athlete. He won an ESPY for the Action Sports Athlete of the Year. Um, you know, just kind of a guy who think, uh, you know, maybe doesn't have the accolades of others. He never made it to an Olympics. He actually qualified uh, in one Olympics, but then he tore his Achilles a couple of weeks before it was going to happen, but won six X Games uh, gold medals in four different events. So more than deserving of a number four seed. And then you have California Chrome, our only horse in the field, but uh, everybody remember his story when it goes out and wins Kentucky Derby, wins the Preakness Stakes, and then gets stepped on um, right at the beginning of the Belmont Stakes and ends up not winning the Triple Crown. But he had a remarkable story. I mean, he was basically purchased for $8,000. Uh, and ended up being the highest earning North American uh, thoroughbred horse race uh, ever. I mean, this is a guy who won uh, almost $15 million in races. Uh, that's the most ever for somebody born in North America. Uh, was named the horse of the year in all of thoroughbred racing in 2014, 2016. The reason he is on the list is he was co-owned uh, by a couple from Topaz Lake, uh, Steve and Carolyn Coburn. So he makes the cut as well. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how this one turns out. I think it will be a close one. And I think, uh, you know, people love animals. So I think the horse might have a little bit of an edge just because he, he's a horse in this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I recall this, the run by California Chrome, and it, it really epitomized kind of the people that live in our area. It was the blue bloods versus the blue collars. And you could tell that a lot of the blue blood racing families, I'm not going to name any names, but you could tell they were kind of like, all right, who are these guys? And, you know, they don't have 50 horses and that sort of thing. And, uh, and yeah, you're right. Steve was always very defiant about it. And it just, you know what, it's, it's us against the world sort of, sort of mentality. If we needed a four-legged member of our NSN team, I mean, could you put your two dogs up against each other head to head? I mean, could you imagine that? There'd be a big cute factor, you know, very different. You know, Chris is a big, big furry dog, very large. My dog's short to the ground. You know, he's got a pretty, pretty chubby face. Um, you know, it'd be a tough competition, I think. Yeah, I know I think, if it was a, a physical battle, my dog would not. She's just laying right here, right next to me. Like, she lays here all show. Uh, when we go to the dog park, she just lays on her back and lets <laughs> She's not much of a fighter. She loves to play, but as soon as somebody gets a little bit aggressive with her, she definitely gives up, goes uh, on the back, four legs in the air, and, and just uh, lets the other one do the business on her. So uh, I, I guarantee you Ripley would not win any battles uh, between our dogs. Last I checked, uh, Sean Palmer against California Chrome was 51-49 in favor of wow. Sean Palmer. If you want to join in on the, the conversation in the vote, go to uh, Nevada Sportsnet, either on Twitter or on our website. It's at nevadasportsnet.com. Much more to come here on NSN Daily. Coming up after the break, we'll talk with Director of Athletics of the University of Nevada, Doug Newth, about the state of college sports amid the coronavirus quarantine. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Nevada Director of Athletics, Doug Newth, uh, kind enough to take some time with us here on a Monday. Uh, Doug, as we uh, continue to kind of plod along through this, uh, we don't have a lot of answers. It's, it's tough for us to ask you definitive questions about, hey, when is this season going to start? Because nobody really has those answers right now, do they? No, and that's, you know, I, I, I tell our staff, and our, our staff asks a lot of good questions. And I tell them all the time, I said, you guys have great questions. I don't have any good answers yet. Um, you know, I can, I can make up some stuff and I can speculate as much as anyone else in the world is doing right now. But I, I never 
I, you know, I never feel comfortable speculating on stuff. So I just, I, I share what I know with our coaches and I share what I know uh, with our, our friends and donors and supporters. And, but uh, I try not to get into the speculating game because as you said, sort of everything, all the possibilities are out there right now and nobody knows what direction this is going. No one knows. So it's a tough time. And, and that's one of the, the things that is the, is the most difficult for most of us to handle. And it's, it's true in like the stock market. It's true in relationships. It's true in plant is uncertainty. Like that's the worst thing that the stock market hates uncertainty. Our coaches hate uncertainty. Our fans hate uncertainty. Um, the athletic director hates uncertainty. You know, it's just, that's the life that we're living right now. We just have no, nothing certain, nothing concrete about what our future looks like now. So it's really hard to plan. We're, we're doing all kinds of options and looking at all the, the different scenarios that could play out. But um, there's not even like a, you know, sometimes when you're doing uh, future planning and scenario planning, you put a certain amount of weight on different scenarios. You say this scenario is like a 50% chance and this scenario is a 30% chance and this scenario is a 20% chance. And then you sort of, figure out, you know, what, we have no idea right now. We can't even place weights uh, or percentages on, on these guesses. So it's hard. One thing that did happen last week was the group of five commissioners sent a letter to the NCAA, just kind of requesting some, some different things and, you know, lower scholarship limits, potentially being able to cut sports to the worst case scenario, maybe playing fewer games, things of that nature. Um, how receptive do you think the NCAA will be to maneuvering some things to make sure you guys don't have to cut sports as a worst case scenario? Well, I think, I think what, what the conference, the group of five is doing is ask for flexibility and, and no, no one is saying we're cutting sports. That that's not, that's not on the table at Nevada. That's not something we're talking about. Never, never have, never, hopefully never will. Um, but I think what, what the group of five is doing is, is saying like, we need flexibility for the next few years and in, in some of the rules and some of the things that we're all, that we all have agreed to abide by and, and the NCAA rules, we've all agreed to play by those rules, but, for the next few years, as we try to dig out and try to, to recover from the financial situation that we're all in is, is some flexibility. So just, just recently, and I can't remember when it might've been last Thursday or Wednesday the the other 22 conferences uh, jumped on as well and, and sent a letter supporting the group of five letter and telling the president, Mark Emmerich, the NCAA president, telling them that they also support that. And there's nuances to the other conferences that, that aren't at Division One or FB, aren't FBS football, but they've all said the same thing. We need flexibility too, because our schools are hurting, our communities are hurting, and for us to to maintain as many sports as we can, for us to maintain and compete, uh, we need flexibility because we're all getting hurt financially. So, so I think to answer your question, Chris, is I think the NCA is going to be really receptive, um, because. The NCA, as they say all the time, is a membership-driven organization. We are the we are the membership. We are the NCAA. So if if you know five group of five conferences plus twenty-two other conferences are all asking for the same thing, well, I guess you know you almost have to abide by it. You almost have to be uh, open to those suggestions and and give that flexibility. So we're hopeful for it, and uh, you know that'll release us from some of the you know some of the uh, rules and bylaws that are you know required for division one membership but don't necessarily impact us day to day but you know like for once is for one thing is like the attendance requirement you know every fbs school has to reach fifteen thousand uh attendance every two years once in a two-year cycle and you know there's a lot of schools that 
you know, that, that don't quite get there and they figure out other ways to do it by buying tickets through their corporate sponsors or something like that. Um, well, that'll release them from that obligation. So now they can use that money to actually fund and support their student athletes rather than uh, creative ways to get your attendance to 15,000. So it's just that that's the notion of that letter. And I think it's a really smart move. You know, something that's talked about a lot is, is obviously football and the potential of losing football revenue uh, or having to change the way football is played. Can you just explain to people at a school like Nevada and then even at a bigger school just how financially important football is in the realm of not only college athletics, but also when it comes to like university whole wide? Yeah, well, that, that's a great point because uh, we, we talk about it a lot about how important football is and how important, you know, men's basketball, the two big revenue sports are for our program. Um, but, but right now we're going to get a sense of what it really means. Uh, we're going to see if we don't play football this year, or if it's some kind of a truncated season, we're going to see exactly how important football is uh, to our overall uh, financial health. And, um, you know, for a school like us, it's, you know, if you don't play football, it's probably an eight, $8 million type uh, swing in your finances. You know, for a school like Oklahoma or Ohio State or Texas or whatever, it might be a $100 million uh, swing. I mean, that's just – it's kind of mind-blowing wow. to, to think that an athletic department drives that much money uh, out of their football program, but that's the reality. So if we don't play football this year, if that – gosh, you know, God forbid that happens, but if it does happen, uh, it, it's going to be a major, major impact on on every one of us, but – uh, certainly power five schools, those big time schools, it, it'll, it'll crush, it'll crush a lot of departments. And, and, and we got to figure out a way to, to absorb that. We got to figure out a way to, to move forward because hopefully when we're all expecting this, uh, uh, COVID-19, we hope it's a short term deal you know, one year get through it. And then we're back to maybe more normal operations after that. But, um, so I think, you know, sort of answering the second part of your question is I think we, as the college football, as the FBS schools, I think we're going to do everything we can uh, try to figure out a way to play football this year because that's how much it matters. It matters to our department. It matters to our university uh, financially, and, and, I, and frankly, that matters to our community too. I mean, that's um, you know when when you when you play football games at Mackey Stadium, uh, you know it matters to our community. It matters to our alumni, and and so you see that same thing every university around the country. All right, doom and gloom aside, let's move on Thank to. You. Doug, we know you as, as, as a husband, as a father, and, and we, we've had the opportunity to get to know you that way. I know fans see you maybe on the sidelines or, or in the suits, you know, uh, at a press conference or something. How are you handling this at the Newth household when you get the kids running <laughs> around? I mean, that's the longest I've ever seen your hair. Is that like Doug yeah, Newth that's... playing tennis in college long hair right there? Is that how it was in college? Well, not in college. I was... I was, uh, I took myself pretty seriously in college, maybe too yeah. seriously. Uh, but in high school, I had a sweet mullet. It was like ah. long in the back and yeah, nice. it was cool. It was, it was cool <laughs> back then, right? So no, it was never cool. I'm going um, for the mullet now, Doug. I, I think like, you know, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting some good growth. Like I'm, I'm yeah. halfway there. There, there's a picture. There's not many, but there's one picture I know of that's still with the oh, I had longer, where are you? I had longer hair in the back, and it wasn't. It's not good. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the biggest thing is you mentioned wearing a suit. Like I, I'm a suit and tie or jacket and tie guy almost every day in the office, and in the summer it's a little more relaxed. But, but man, right now it's like t-shirts and shorts every day. Um, you know, I feel, I feel like I get to dress like a coach now, which is great. Uh, yeah. Super <laughs> casual. But you know what? Uh, just like everyone else, you know, my family we're 
we're trying to figure out how to how to operate you know the kids are doing school from home and and uh you know trying to figure out how to work and and do all the phone calls and zoom calls and everything i do all day long with kids running around the house and a lot of times you'll hear at least in my house you'll hear the kids yelling at each other screaming at each other playing or you know it's just uh you know it's, it's normal madness it's normal craziness but um it usually don't have that in the office and um you know i i had a, a funny deal the other day i had about an hour in between calls and um and i had to go out in the garage and finish a project that i had from over the weekend you know just kind of cleaning up and and uh so i had to my my lunch break was going out and, and finishing my chores and then i had to help uh one of our kids change a bike tire they got a flat tire you know riding up in the hills or whatever and I had to change a bike tire and you know and so I come in, I'm all like got grease and dirt on my hands and I had to do my next phone call. And I was thinking, you know, if I was in the office, I would have probably gone out to lunch with a colleague or I would have met, you know, one of our donors for lunch or I would have done something. And, and now it's like when I have a lunch break or any kind of a break, I'm doing chores around the house. So I'm sort of anxious to get back to the office. <laughs> You're not enjoying the distance learning? I mean, I'm loving it over here. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah I you, think can our, just, you can you can tell Chris is really loving it. Ripping with sarcasm. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think our I mean our kids are are loving it because you know it's about an hour of work. I mean we're elementary school age kids. We have we have uh, one daughter that's in, in junior high, but you know it's right now it's it's you know relatively quick and painless, and they get their work done, and then they're out the door, and and going and playing and, and uh, doing stuff outside because the weather you know finally the weather's nice. So, it's, but yeah, we're. We're just like everyone else. We're surviving and trying to figure out how to, how to make it all work. All right, Doug. So have you picked up any kind of new hobbies? Like have you played a new board game? Are you binging a show? You were talking about piano lessons for the kids, but like, are you learning <laughs> the piano? Like what, what are, what, what do you do? Anything interesting? I have, you know, I, I, I want to, that's one of my dreams in life. I've always said that if I, if I ever get injured or, or, hurt to some way that I can't I can't be athletic and I can't go running and biking and swimming everything else that I do uh, then I'm gonna I want to learn some instruments I want to learn piano and I want to learn other stuff so so yeah I have we have a piano in the house and and my wife plays and she's tremendous and and then uh, she gives our kids lessons every day and, and it's awesome so she's she's trying to get me to sit down and play the piano and I I sort of play a couple of keys and I I learn a little bit and then I get to I I have about a 30 second uh, attention span. <laughs> I got to move on to something else. So I, I'm not ready yet for piano, but maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky enough in our neighborhood that uh, around the corner, there's a young man who I think is a freshman at McQueen High School who is learning the trumpet. Oh. And he plays it a lot. Um, <laughs> getting better. He is getting better. But uh, I certainly understand the rigors of, uh, of home life right now. Doug Newth, yeah. Director of Athletics at the University of Nevada. Truly appreciate your time, sir. And uh, I know you can't answer all of our questions, but uh, uh, soon, very soon, we'll all be back out of the, on the field, on the court, and uh, enjoy watching the Wolfpack play. Yeah, and as soon as we have more information, uh, please invite me back, and we'll share what's going on. But until then, we appreciate you guys. Appreciate what you're doing. Love all your great work, and uh, we'll see you around soon, hopefully. Go Pack. You'll always have an invitation for our, our Hollywood squares any anytime. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have much more here on NSN Daily right after this. Welcome back into NSN Daily. You know, uh, we're all getting through uh, this time as well as we can, but uh, one of the great advantages is we've been able to meet a lot of the new faces on the University of Nevada football coaching staff hired by Jay Norvell. And you know what? We've got a soft spot in our hearts 
four special teams coordinators and special teamers. Thomas Sheffield taking over the special teams coordinator position after Tommy Perry moved on. Uh, you know, uh, in our in our uh, grit store grit special we did last year, we were able to really get to know Tommy and guys before him. If you're a special teams coordinator, uh, they say even Matt Mummy has said this. I'll quote him, not myself. He goes. Usually they've got a screw loose if you're a special team coordinator. <laughs> uh, you take that as a compliment? Yeah, you know, I do. I, uh, like I just told you, I'm a nerd. Um, I'm weird. I'm different. And I, uh, so I fit into that special teams role perfectly. You know what I mean? I didn't grow up wanting to be, when I got into coaching, I wanted to be an offensive coordinator. And then special teams kind of found me. And it was just, man, now it's, it's, it's dear to my heart. And I love it. And I love everything about it. Um, so yes, I take that as a compliment. I'm authentic and I'm different. and uh, I'm good with that. Now, sometimes I might be a loose cannon. That's okay. Um, but my meetings are going to be fun. The kids are going to have fun doing special teams. Uh, and, and, and we're going to enjoy it. And we're going to make um, some noise come 2020. Tell uh, Wolfpack fans a little bit about your path to Nevada. I mean, obviously, it's not very easy getting an FBS assistant job, especially being a coordinator at the at special teams level. Um, what, what did you have to do to be able to get up to this level? Woo! You want the long list? I mean, I can start writing on this wall and we'll never finish. Uh, you know, along the way, I got really lucky and I got to work for some great people like Tommy Perry. But man, I started my career um, at Sam Houston State with Coach Willie Fritz. He gave me and I wrote him an email because I wanted to get into college coaching. I wrote him an email. Um, he replied, shockingly enough, uh, and had a meeting with me one on one. And I went in there and thought I was the man. I was Vince McMahon walking in there talking about, hey, I want to call plays. I want to do this. I want to do that. And he just looked at me, you know, and I guess maybe he saw something. He gave me an opportunity. Um, now, it was not the opportunity I, gained, I went in there looking for. I started in an equipment room. Um, I started doing equipment. I was doing laundry. I was doing everything. And then I did that for a spring. Um, and then in the summer, they called me and say, hey, you know, you've done a good job. Would you like to student coach? because uh, I was a senior at Sam at the time. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, so w I went in and did that uh, and, and broke down film, did all of it, uh, and then got an opportunity at the University of Mary Harden Baylor, a prestigious Division three school in Texas, um, where as a GA at the Division three level, you get to coach your own position, right? Now, we didn't make any money. And, you know, that was the rough part. Um, and we've gone days without eating. We've done some things that I never thought I would have to do. But then that, that led into the special teams deal where I got an interview with Tommy Perry for a volunteer position. I had just gotten married. I just had a baby boy. Um, and so we, I, I conned my wife into letting me take the job. <laughs> I, I made her believe in me. I told her I knew what I could do. I knew where we could go and the path that uh, it was going to take. I knew how to take the job. And then Three months into that, the GA that I worked under for Tommy leaves. And so I get elevated and then um, learned so much from Tommy, man. I owe so much to Tommy. Um, but I learned a lot from him. And then we um, got my first opportunity at, at University of Arkansas Pine Bluff as a special teams coordinator. I wanted just to get out and do my own stuff and see if it worked. Luckily, it did. And then, uh, you know, connections. This business is about connections. Tommy helped me get this job um, and, and I'm forever in debt to him and in debt to Jay Norvell for giving me this opportunity. Um, but yeah, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of penny pinching, rubbing pennies together to try to make this thing work and hold out as long as possible. What is the, your favorite thing about coaching special teams? Like what makes 
special teams special to you? I get to coach everybody. I get to coach every single kid on our football team. Um, that's something that's special. I look at it like this. No other coach other than our head football coach gets that opportunity. I literally get to coach offense. I get to coach defense. I get to coach it all, technically. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm dealing with O-line, D-line, every position group there is. I have them at some point. And so I love getting to coach all of our kids and um, getting to develop the relationships with those kids um, because, again, nobody came to the University of Nevada to, cook, to play special teams. So I got to develop relationships. I got I to gotta get them to buy into the ride-or-die mentality that I try to sell as part of the, the special teams culture. And so that's my favorite part is just getting to interact with every single kid and learning about them as human beings and, and, and just evaluating them as football players. Yeah, one thing we certainly learned about Tommy Perry, uh, I'd, I'd like to try and do his voice a little bit, but he can't. He can't do actually, that. Pause. That was actually pretty dang good. Well, what <laughs> special teams wins games. Do you not watch football? Do you not watch football games? It wins football games. But he would tell us about how you got to take the field like a man, take the field with some swagger. When you look at the guys that you have coming back, you've got an incredible place kicker in Brandon Talton who has shown ice in his veins. You've got some long snappers. You do lose a great punter who is not just a punter, but a great leader in Quentin Conaway. Uh, Once uh, once you really get a chance to get your hands on these guys, uh, what do you think you have coming back? I mean, I think we have all the talent in the world. Uh, There's a kid, Julian. who, who was a kickoff specialist last year that will compete for the starting punting job that has a National Football League leg. He really does. And there's some things that we're trying to do to develop him, um, to get him that opportunity. Uh, but, you know, I, I walked into a pretty good situation with Julian, with Brandon. Um, you know, we got Austin Ortega coming back from a snapping standpoint, and he'll compete for a job. Uh, you know, but I think we got a lot of talent. I told our guys yesterday in our Zoom meeting, there is a lot of talent in our room right now, and we're building more depth with, through recruiting um, with some guys coming in. But And that's the thing for me. I got to get them to compete because um, Brandon, what happened last year is what happened last year. We got to move forward. We can't rely on what happened last year to just carry over because it doesn't a lot of the time, most of the time. We got to continue to put in the work. We got to continue to develop. He was an 84% field goal kicker last year. I'm selfish. I'm, I want 90%. I want 95%. You know what I mean? So we got to get them to that next level. We got to get it to go from, from, from here, from potential All-American to All-American. And the same thing with Julian. My goal for Julian is to get him to that next level because he has the talent. And then there's, some, there, there's depth. I'm telling you, there's going to be some young guys that come in here and surprise everybody. I mean, there's going to be some names that y'all haven't heard that are going to come in, compete for these jobs and make some noise. And I'm excited. I'm really excited. And um, from, from an overall team aspect, um, you know, we got some gritty dudes. We got some dudes who are tough as nails, um, who aren't afraid to run down on kickoff. You know what I mean? And that's what I love. I look at kickoff as like the front line of like it's a, a war, a battle. You know what I mean? Those guys got to be crazy. And I think we got those guys in a positive, crazy way that will go in and run down full speed and, and make some noise. Um, I really see that we have the potential to be really, really, really good on special teams and take the what, what Tommy was able to do and just continue to elevate it and take it to where it needs to be um, long term. All right, we're going to have much more from brand new special teams coordinator Thomas Sheffield here on NSN Daily right after this. Details on where he's from, his history, moving to the mountains, and uh, oh yeah, brother. 
He came from the Attitude Era. We're going to talk a little wrestling coming up after the break. Welcome back to NSN Daily. New Nevada Special Teams Coordinator Thomas Sheffield kind enough to spend another segment with us here. Thomas, we want to get to know you just a little bit more. And, I mean, we heard about your journey. I want to hear about the journey to Reno because it sounds like Sounds like for some coaches, it's a little easier, and for you, it's a little more difficult, literally, just to get into Reno because of Mother Nature. Yeah, so, you know, my wife talked me into uh, moving house um, by myself with her and some other friends. So we packed it. We went and got a U-Haul, loaded up with a 30-foot truck. And, and you guys survived? You guys survived that? You survived that? Oof. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just the moving part was a pain, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody knows moving is such a pain, but we loaded up a 30-foot truck, attached her car to the back. She followed me in my car with the kids and the dogs. because uh, So my wife comes from a big family, right? So we got two kids, one on the way, and three dogs. So we got – so we, we had all this all these moving parts, and we were driving. And, man, the first the, – it was a three-day trip. The first two and three-quarters of it was perfect. They had no issues. Uh, at all man I got I felt like um, I could drive anything after I drove that big old truck and so <laughs> we get to I, we're about 30 miles from um, our new house and a snowstorm just hits and for us people in the south um, from the south just this much snow is is unbelievable to us well we got about a foot and a half on top of that mountain so we're driving up the mountain she calls me and she's like oh no I'm sliding I'm like all right let's just come to a stop right here and mm -hmm. as I did that man there's wrecks happening in front of us. Like you could see it happening. Um, and we get stuck on top of a mountain for three hours. Oh, we're stuck on top of a mountain for three hours. I can't, we lose cell service. So the last I heard she was freaking out crying and I couldn't get back a hold of her. So, you know, a, a lot of good, uh, uh, policemen and paramedics and people dealt with the, the, the crazy new football coach who was just worried about his kids. So, um, it was, it was different. And then, you know, we, again, 30 miles from the house. Once we got able to go again, they plowed the, the streets and everything. It took us over an hour just to drive 30 minutes. But yeah, it was a, it was, it was a good start. It was fun. It was, our kids just were happy as could be because they love the snow. Um, but me and mama, me and mama were freaking out. So <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't want to get my dream job and then slide off the side of a mountain. I felt like that's what was about to happen, but we got here safe and uh, we're ready to roll. Have you heard the story of the Donner Party? The what? <laughs> the Donner Party. Uh -oh. So they went over that mountain uh, many, many years ago. They, they, they got stuck as well. They ended up having 1800s, right? Like 18 uh, yeah. something. <laughs> so yeah, you might want to research that. It wasn't, you know, you, you didn't get right. that bad. They had, they had to eat uh, part of the members of their party just to be able to survive. So, oh, uh, good. Yeah, it can be well, rough over that mountain for very, sure. Very like Oregon Trail type, yeah. you know, type drama, you know? Great you can always rely on this for a feel-good story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's transition to something a little more feel-good. Big wrestling fan you are. Uh, paint yeah. our, your, your, your Royal Rumble dream matchup. Who, who would all be in the ring along with yourself? I mean, you're talking about 30 wrestlers right there. You know <laughs> what I mean? So, ah, man, you know, obviously there's legends. The Rock, so The Rock was my, if he's watching this, The Rock, you got to reach out to me. We got we to gotta connect. My Rock childhood hero. The Rock was my childhood hero. And I know it. You know, I, I grew up when the Dallas Cowboys are from Texas, and the Dallas Cowboys were great. Emmett, Michael, Dion, Troy. No, they weren't my they weren't my childhood hero. The Dwayne the Rock 
the most electrifying athlete in sports entertainment. That was my hero. And so wrestling became a big part of my life. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Macho Man, the NWO, uh, the Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Hulk Hogan, Rey Mysterio. I mean, I could go on forever, but, um, you know, The Rock, if it came down, me versus The Rock, he don't want this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he doesn't want this. And, uh, again, if you're watching Rock, you don't want it now. I'll go Ric Flair. I'll go Hulk Hogan. I'll do it all. Ric Flair's got to be in there. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. Uh, man, gosh, the, the electricity that would go through that, that, that building. Well, the fans would be so lucky if I could get into a wrestling match with those guys. Can, can you smell something? <laughs> Come on, you, know, you got to do the impersonation for us. I've seen it. Oh, man, I'll cut it at the end. I'll cut all, it right, all right, all right, all right. End of, end of but, the interview. All right, but yeah. before, before, all right, before that, then, you're from Texas. I got to ask you, though, there, have you had In-N-Out Burger yet? Because there's always, like, the In-N-Out Burger versus Whataburger beef. So have you had In-N-Out yet? And are you, like, one of those diehard Whataburger guys? Here's the deal, all right? I'm a very loyal human being. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Understand that. So I'm a very loyal human being. They break my heart every year. I will never, ever, 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 ever have in and out I will not oh, cheat come on. Waterburger. I will not cheat on Waterburger. I'm that's Texas bad, through that's and through. A, that's a bad idea. That's a bad life, that's a now, bad life choice Everybody tells oh. me, everybody tells me that there's been a lot, there, it's great, yada, yada, yada. Uh, no, I'm not doing it. I've had, oh. I've had burger places around here. I've had some local burger places, but I will. I'm sorry, in and out You don't get my I, business. I've had, I, I got to go. Yeah, Rez, Rez, Rez is telling me, sorry, Rez is telling me we're out of time. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, come on. Somebody will have to force feed me in and out. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. I'm Waterburger through and through. Nothing will ever change this this Texas harp. I'm, I'm going. Talking to, we're gonna we're gonna kidnap you one day. We're gonna like stuff <laughs> you in a trunk, and then we're gonna tie you up, and we're gonna yeah. feed you in and out burger. Oh man, I just I, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I've had so many opportunities. Uh, my, my quality control guy, Jack Ray, he is from the Bay Area, and he stands on the table for in and out on a daily basis. And I'm like, because, like, I'm like, hey, what do you want for lunch? You know, like, look, I, I'll get you lunch today, you know? And he's like, uh, in and out. And I'm like, no, try again. Like, I'm not doing it. I will not do it. So are you not going to visit Lake Tahoe, one of the jewels of the planet? <laughs> No, I will. I can't wait. I can't wait to <laughs> family to Lake Tahoe. That's one thing that we haven't done. Um, just because I want to get out and enjoy Lake Tahoe. I don't want to just drive through it. You know what I mean? So when all this, this Corona stuff is over, that that's probably the very first place we're going. And I can't wait. Just all right. I'll give you, I'll give you a little, a little secret. Don't tell anyone, but the sand Harbor beach is still open right now yep. that you can go to on the Nevada side of the, of the lake. Uh, I went there last weekend. There actually is a lot of space out there. And and you got to jump in the lake when it's still really cold. It's kind of a rite of passage. Oh, you gotta hey, really feel the, the freeze. Like we talked about, we special teams coordinators have a screw loose. There you go. I'm all for jumping in that thing. Sand like, Harbor. Why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you? It's just cold water. Whatever. It's right. good. It'll it'll cleanse the soul for sure. Yeah, I need my soul cleansed sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be perfect. Nevada Special Teams Coordinator Thomas Sheffield joining us here on the show. You know, Thomas, you talk about family, uh, your wife, Emily. Uh, you've got one on the way that, you, that it wasn't in your bio, so congratulations on that. Um, and, and 
And before you go on, understand Nevada Wolfpack fans, his name is Cannon because we're bringing oh. that back. We're bringing wow. that. We're going to run for mayor now? Huh? You're going to run for mayor now? Because that, that's going to sell people. Oh, hey, if I need to, let's do it. But we are, <laughs> I promise you, our son will, his name is Cannon. So our, yeah. first, son, our first son's name is Peyton, Peyton Manning fan. So we go with Peyton Wyatt. Um, the Wyatt brothers. I don't know if y'all watched wrestling back in that time. So my son's got a a um, a NFL name and a wrestling name. So this time we were going to do the same thing, but then I got this job and I learned about the history of the cannon. I was like, babe, we're going to name our son Cannon because A, we're going to win that damn thing. B, he's going to have a cannon attached to his hip because I'm going to turn him into a kicker so he can come kick for the Wolfpack one day and kick some 56-yard bombs versus Purdue as well. And then uh, we, we, we needed that NFL player, Drew Brees, one of my favorites. So Cannon Brees Sheffield will be coming on my birthday, supposedly July 29th. Um, and, and we got a picture. When we win that cannon, I'm going to stick him in there, act like we're shooting him out, and we're going to win that damn thing. That's right awesome. Now. But finish your question. I don't think we can sorry. find a better story. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your question. I just no, no. You told a better story than I than my question was going to ever do. I mean, <laughs> but I did see that your old your oldest son is his nickname is Bear. Where did that come from? Bear. You know, I don't know. We just I I started calling him Bear one day, and um, you know, Mama Bear loved it, so we just went with it. So uh, yeah. We rarely call him Peyton. I don't even know if he really knows. He's five years old. I don't know if he knows his name. Because uh, awesome. we call him Bear. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know where that came from. It's just something that um, we started since when, when, you know, he came into the world. I just – I said Bear, and Mama Bear was like, yeah, I like that. So, we stuck with Bear as a nickname, and um, hopefully we can turn him into a big old bear and be a be, go, be an offensive lineman or otherwise. I don't know. He – he may only be five foot five because I'm five nine on a good day. Um, everybody who's watching this that knows me saying, no, you're five seven. <laughs> uh, but I'm five nine on a good day. My wife might be five one. Um, so, you know, he's got some, he's got some challenges, but we'll turn him into something. Bear, Blair, and Cannon Sheffield, three newest members of the Wolfpack family. Uh, Thomas Sheffield, new uh, special teams coordinator with the University of Nevada. We truly appreciate your time and, Welcome to the family here in our area in the 775. We hope you would come to love it as much as we do. Oh, I promise you, we already love it. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this next piece, all right? I'm from Texas. I'm from the South. If I don't ever go back, I'm okay. If I can stay here and see these beautiful mountains and live in the biggest little city in America for the rest or in the world for the rest of our lives, I'm good. We'll, we'll pack them through. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we can't finish the segment any better than that. Thomas Sheffield, thanks very much, man. Welcome we'll to town, man. Go Wolfpack. We'll have much more coming up here on NSN Daily right after this. Wrapping things up here on NSN Daily, I want to thank uh, Thomas Sheffield, Nevada Special Teams Coordinator, and Doug Newth, Athletic Director, for joining us here on the show. Uh, spooky moments down in Southern California for uh, Vin Scully, 92-year-old, play-by-play, former play-by-play broadcaster of the Dodgers. Took a nasty fall, but he is back home and resting comfortably. Uh, Chris, even me as a Giants fan, respect and love for Vince Scully. 
Yeah, I mean, he's basically like my grandfather. I mean, I grew up with him, obviously not biologically related, but I remember listening every single night to his calls of Dodger games. So kind of feels like a part of my family. And I think anybody who grew up or rooted for the Dodgers, same thing for them. So good to hear that he's doing well, but definitely falls for elderly people can be very, very dangerous. So hopefully he is able to recover and live many, many more years. And, and hopefully Dodgers able uh, to get him a World Series before he passes on to whatever the next phase of life is. Yep, like I said, plenty of respect and love from this Giants fan. For Chris Murray, Alex Margulies, and Anthony Resnick, I'm Brian Samudio. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.